The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. All right, people. In this episode, we're going to talk about how, whether we like it or not, we all have an impact on each other. So use it for good. I'm Sienna. And I'm Toast. We're partners in love, life, and music. And we've been together since 2001. With each episode of this podcast, our goal is to help our fellow LGBT community members lift their lives to the next level. Okay, hello. Hi. This is Toast. And this is Sienna. Okay, so... We're going to talk about making an impact in this episode. But first, we wanted to give a quick shout out because we got a great email from one of you, podcast listener. But this person also happens to be one of my former co-workers. And we're talking yeah. from like decade, over a decade ago, like really long time ago. A really okay. long time. From before, from before when I knew I was gay. Yes. Which... <laughs> Which is the reason, or one of the reasons, she emailed us yeah, because she wanted to provide a piece of Toast's history that might be helpful in the healing and coming out process of your memory of it. Right. Right? And for other people. I think this is really interesting. I never thought of this. It's good. Yeah, there's some information here. so, So check this out. Okay, listen okay. to this. So this is Chris speaking. This is her email speaking to us. And now to all of us. Now to all of us. <laughs> and we got permission, by the way, to share this portion of her email. Okay. So, uh, and just to remind you, so Toast was a um, radio, what is it? Disc jockey. Okay. <laughs> No, all kinds. It was, was like a broadcaster, all, DJ, well, all kinds of host, radio yeah, host. Yeah, it's I don't a small. Know. It was a very small team, so we all did multiple jobs. Okay, so Chris writes, "You and your co-host Deb were talking near me, and one of you said something about having recently heard or read that unlike men, women don't usually know they're gay until they're in their twenties." Then Deb said in a sarcastic tone, "What?" They decide they're gay after they get burned by a man. At that point, I jumped in, so Chris jumped in, and explained that it's because of the difference in our physiology. For boys, once they hit puberty, it's obvious if they are attracted to other boys. Girls, on the other hand, can get a warm and fuzzy feeling around another girl (laughs) and not recognize it as sexual attraction. At that point, Toast said something along the lines of, Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and then probably in sil- in a silent voice in my head, I probably said, "Oh, I think I'm gay." <laughs> I don't know. But I never. I don't know if I've ever heard it explained that way. But it that does totally make makes, sense. It totally makes sense. You I know? when I was getting, I had a lot of warm, fuzzy feelings. You know, yeah. sixth grade, seventh grade, and I would never have thought it was gay feelings. And maybe now it's different. Maybe girls now, because of the culture being more accepting of mm-hmm. gay people and mm-hmm. lesbian people and bi and trans and stuff. Maybe girls now that get the warm fuzzy feeling, they they do consider whether it's like, oh, 
maybe I'm gay. Whereas when we were growing up, I think that that wasn't even like a category to think in. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So thanks, Chris. Yeah. I didn't think it was an option. Right. You know, until until I got teased. Mm. You know, I was teased like so-and-so. Whatever. Anyways, whatever. (laughs) Okay, well, that's going to relate to that's going to relate to oh, our our boy. main topic of, well, of this yes. episode okay. later because we have some so let me, some interesting statistics for you folks. But we before do. we get there, but before we get there, wait, I wanted to say mm-hmm. that what I got teased about was that in school they would say so and so, so and so likes you, so and so likes you, and they would say all that, and I'm like, what are they even like? What? No, that person, she doesn't like me. But Did, then okay. I was like, oh, wait, maybe, <laughs> maybe she does. And maybe I like her. So anyways, this, that relationship, we will talk about that later because okay. that has an impact later. Yep. So yep. It's yep. Of, yep. It's kind of, okay. So, um, let's but see, first, what are we talking about? first, a little interlude. Oh, okay. Yes. About the wild animals in our backyard. Oh my God. Okay. So here, can we just talk about rain for a moment? Okay. Okay. So here's not the rain that falls from the sky. Not the rain that falls from a sky. A human, a beautiful human being whose who, name is Rain. Yes, and she happens to be my first cousin that I never knew I had, and she also happens to live in Portland. What are the chances of that? What's up with that? Right, family but, drama. But the great thing I will say is that just knowing she's there, just knowing she's here, we've seen her only twice right? We text often, but it's like, it's just so comforting. So even just knowing she's there, even that alone has an impact. If we want to kind of loop that into our topic today, that Mm -hmm. has an impact. But the wonderful thing is not just knowing she's there. She is a crazy animal lover. And I I love that. Like you, like me kind of animal lover. It's kind, it was really neat to meet her and discover that. Yeah. Because you're related. Mm -hmm. Your first First cousins? Yeah, first cousins. First cousins that you never knew, and you never knew this until literally a month or so ago. Yeah. Right? Right. You literally did not know each other existed. No. I did not. But you have a first cousin. (laughs) She happens to live in Portland. You guys meet, and you discover that you have this commonality. Yes. Which I think is really neat. Okay, so so Toast loves animals. Right, right, but not like. But you she guys. doesn't love animals like I love animals, and how Rain loves animals, and some of my California friends love animals. The way we love animals is kind of on this. Well, here's level. I think the difference is <laughs> for you, for you guys, animals will distract you against your will. They will. <laughs> pull you with a tractor beam of attention right and me well, when i see a cute dog or you're a like cat, oh it's cute and you don't even need to go and try and pet it i don't need to no but you feel but i need, need to be yeah i will go up there but um but also i guess it's just there's an empathetic side yes where we just can feel an animal Right. So if an animal is suffering, we feel it. If an animal needs food, we feed it. 
<laughs> if an, an animal needs a home, we give it a home or we find it a home. Like, and it's, and if, and throughout the process, we are feeling our way throughout the process. And it's kind of, it's very emotional. I think that's know? the empathic person. I think yes, that's the soul with And a lot of people that have empathy. that with human beings. Uh, but I think Rain and I have it very much so with animals. And with humans too, but really with animals. And like, for instance, she feeds animals outside of her apartment, squirrels. But she even actually has a rat. Well, had a rat. There was an issue with the environment there, but... It, it's a sad story, but his name is, uh, or his name is Remy Ben. And then one day I saw a rat in our yard, in our backyard, guys, we saw running along the fence, a rat, a rat in daylight. And I thought, oh well, my close God. to, not like at 12 noon, it no, was like, like six, but still, it's still lit. Yeah. Where it was approaching twilight. You know, but yeah, it was definitely still that and semi, semi horrified to, to be like, oh, oh my was... God, there's a rat. But he was cute though. I mean, he was you know. so cute. Okay. So anyways, I just started calling him Remy Ben the second, Remy Ben two. So I texted her and all this kind of stuff. So anyways, pretty you know. soon. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. We had two, two of them. Two Remy rats. Ben oh brought his wife. Oh my God. And then pretty soon, he brought his kids. So, so here's the thing. It got a little horrifying. So a little we, Alfred Hitchcockish. So and here and and they were eating. Cockian. How do you say that? <laughs> a little Alfred Hitchcockian. Hitchcockian. Um. They, so they were eating out of one of our bird feeders. They apparently eat bird seed. They were eating out of that bird feeder. So we are no longer putting bird seed in that. But once in a while, I will say I will put some apple chunks in there from the core of my apple, slice it up and put it out there. And that's fine because they can take it and leave. Yes. And so we don't, and we, we haven't don't just seen... have to like, quote unquote, waste a core. I True. mean, I know you can put it in the compost, but I love I know, being able to, yeah, exactly. I love right? being able to just return things and what's so to great the earth, you know, directly. They can just grab the piece, bring it home to their families, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Instead of bringing the whole crew over for a buffet. Right. So I love that. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. When, once we started seeing multiple rats, it was kind of like, okay, like slow down on the feeding of the now, wild animals. <laughs> I know, but I never would thought, think they would eat birdseed. I right. don't know. Right. And it's far away from our, our door. So that was good. It's the farthest away bird feeder that, that we have could that's very close to the trees. Yeah. And so, anyhow. Should we talk about ballhorn? Yeah. So we... so. We're looking here. Here's the thing. There was a little bit. Of, there was a moment of silence because I'm looking at Toast. Like, are we going to talk about Ballhorn or should we not talk about Ballhorn? So I don't know about you, but the words, the two words together, Ballhorn, <laughs> just has kind of a vulgar, crude, crass ring to it. Well, to me, okay, Ballhorn, not to me because I know what I meant. 
I know what I you meant. I know what you meant too, but it's still kind of <laughs> gross feeling. Okay, so here's well, we're just sharing this because we can't be the only ones who give names to the wild animals in their backyard. Right. So uh, we never imagined that we would do this, but it makes total sense that we did. We saw a really giant. I'm talking like a six inch long. Don't, wouldn't you say it was about six inches long? He might have a been six inch long slug on our back patio in the middle of the Portland rain. Yeah, and so I many. and I was the one who saw it first, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's this giant slug!" And I called Sienna over to see it. Well, here, well and you said it had the antennas right in the front and everything. But you said it's. I couldn't. I couldn't run over like immediately when mm-hmm, Tosa mm-hmm. was saying this. So she said, "There's a slug." Or it's a snail without its house. And I said, (laughs) well... Because I'm not educated about the difference between snails and slugs yet. But here I am thinking that I am. I am an expert in snails and slugs. And I'm like, well, does he have the ball horns? Because I couldn't think of... I couldn't (laughs) think of, like, they're not antenna, right? Well, what we learned from Google is that... Actually, I Googled and I found from the Oregon... um, Department of whatever, wildlife or whatever, <laughs> um, that they're called tentacles. Like those two okay. things that okay. stick up on from their head, those are actually called tentacles. But we just refer, in our ignorance, we refer <laughs> to them as horns. And they have the little <laughs> balls at the end. So Like it's a he, perfectly round ball So on the we end. named this slug, ball male, horn. male or female, ball horn. His name is ball horn. Yeah. And I thought that if he had ball horns... <laughs> I thought if he had those, he was really a snail. Because to me, the slugs I've seen don't have the ball horn ball horns on them. So I thought, okay, if he has ball horns, he's a snail. But then what the hell happened to his house? Mm-hmm. If he doesn't have ball horns, he is a common slug. Okay. Well, it turns out he this guy ball horn is a sl- he must be a slug a because slug. we also learned from the same Oregon PDF that uh, slugs do not have shells and snails do have shells and that's that's that and there are all kinds of slugs some that are six inches long obviously yeah um yeah so and different patterns there's so a banana we had slug the ball horn slug there ball horn and yeah it's just but anyways so and here's the thing this is how geeky you know we are that we would actually look this look this stuff up and it wasn't even for the podcast it's like well i wonder what are those things called we're calling them ball horns but they're not antenna so what are they called i mean i know they're not called ball horns but... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> outside of this house they're Any... not called ball horns <laughs> but in this house they're ball horns <laughs> but anyways we look this this kind of stuff up. Anywho, so our topic today, should we just move on with our topic? Yes. Well, here's Let's the thing. Segue- S- sna- slugs and snails, for that matter, do have an impact. Everything. Everything has an, has impact. an impact. There are no small things. Everything makes a difference. So our topic. Well, you have to tell them how... Um, well, it's kind of sad. Snails I was trying not to say it. Okay, so slugs and snails, the impact they have in the environment is that they serve as food. They're near the bottom of the food chain. They are. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So, but so yes. so they're eaten by like birds and stuff, right? Right. Like okay. Right. All right. They are. They're eaten by many things. Okay. So our topic today. <laughs> you make an impact. Yes. Whether yes. yes. And that's the thing is like this is one of those things where it's like none of us can truly abdicate any kind of responsibility because if we are alive and we are if we're listening we to are. this then then we do have an impact on others, right? And the reason this is important is because you could literally with the impact you have save someone else's life. You can. And here's where I just want to run through some statistics and this is relating sienna back to what you said about you know when you're a kid um and you you were being teased and stuff like that right Mm -hmm. so i found this really enlightening for myself the human rights campaign came out recently with a report on lgbtq youth and they defined youth as being from 13 to 17 years old they had twelve thousand. uh respondents, people between 13 and 17 from all 50 states plus Washington, D.C., that responded to a survey. And in this survey, they found that the people, the amount of people who report feelings of worthlessness and hopelessness in the past week was more than 70% of of those respondents. Mm. Um, In addition, they they found that 24% of respondents said they can definitely be themselves at home as an LGBTQ person, right? Which means that 76% cannot. And these next two statistics are not in this report, but I found it from the HRC website. And it, I was kind of like, what, for real? Oh, no, I'm sorry. These two next two things are in the report. It's also relating to LGBTQ uh, students. So in 13 states plus the District of Columbia, there do exist protections for students on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity, meaning stuff like access to facilities like bathrooms, um, sports teams, clubs, only 13 states plus the District of Columbia protect students That's on the basis of this. In other, and the way that I interpret that, I mean, I'm a layperson, but to me, that means that basically it's perfectly legal to discriminate in 38 states. That's crazy. It's completely legal, right? And uh, similarly, when we're talking about housing, right, uh, housing discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, uh, only 20 states prohibit this discrimination. And two states prohibit this discrimination based on orientation only, not on gender identity. That's crazy. So basically, it's perfectly legal to discriminate mm-hmm. based on sexual orientation and gender identity in 29 states. So even though there there really is a lot of... Um, progress being made about lgbtq rights and visibility and acceptance and and all of that which is fantastic Mm -hmm. there's still so much yeah it's not all it's not a legal protection that you can take for granted right so i just wanted to go through that because it kind of yeah and and it kind of explains 
I think, my emotional state in the story that I will now tell you about my past. Yes. Uh, an instance in my past that illustrates this whole thing of you make an impact. So this story took place when I was in college, and it's kind of, looking back on it, I'm kind of in shock myself because it feels like it was another person. It feels yeah. like it was a time in my life that is kind of like in a glass box on a on a shelf on a museum pedestal and that that's you know I, I, I hardly ever think about it mm. but when I did for this podcast I'm just realizing like wow I think that was a really super pivotal moment moment yeah so so this story took place when I was uh, in college and I I did not have any I wouldn't say that I had any kind of conscious awareness that I was going through a rough time or struggling emotionally or anything like that. So that's why when I found myself in one of my professor's offices, for some reason, I don't even remember what course this was for. I don't Mm. remember the professor's name. Mm. I don't remember even the topic that this professor taught. I think it was in the humanities. So not science, but so Isn't that, that crazy what so, we do remember and yeah, what we don't? Yeah, so, like, that, so that tells you how, how like, b- either blocked I am or, you know, um, whatever. But I found myself in this professor's office for some reason. I don't even know what. It's not like I was in trouble or anything. <laughs> Maybe talking about an assignment. And for some reason that I don't even remember, I just found my eyes starting to water just starting to cry or sob or just some kind of emotional breakdown. And what happened next was the professor called, made a phone call and made an appointment for me with a counselor or psychiatrist, psychologist that she knew, uh, she made an appointment. She told me, here, go to this office at this day and time. And and I went. <laughs> I went. I drove myself to this office, mm. had an appointment. And after I, I had a couple of follow-up appointments. I think I had a total of like three different appointments with this counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the course of those appointments, I realized I was gay. Like I actually said those words. It's like, mm. I think I'm gay. And after that, well, I went on my merry way and was gay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, but, but so that completely like... shifted things. And um, I, I just want to, I guess the main point of the story is that this professor, I th- a case could be made t- to say that this professor saved my life. Yes, because who knows, absolutely. right? Who knows what would have happened if, if I mean, she had not like literally picked up the phone, made an appointment, you know, in, instead of saying, "Oh, you you should see somebody," or "Here, mm-hmm. here's here's a counselor's card. Call her." So it sounds like you were depressed. You don't have you know all the details. You were depressed. You were, found yourself in your professor's office. You broke down. You remember the emotional component of breaking down. Mm-hmm. She took it upon herself to call a therapist of some sort, mm-hmm. gave you the number, said, hey, show up here. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. You realized that person helped you come out. 
mm-hmm. and that helped to lift the, the depression. Yep. That's huge. And, and here, I just realized this now. Who paid for this? I think my professor paid for it. I'm not, I don't know. Because I don't have any recollection of being like getting a bill mm. or, you know, having to deal yeah. with any of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're saying about how she didn't just say, hey, you know what? Here's a card of someone you might want to see. Or how can I help? She just charged it in there and she was like, I'm helping. Yeah. And it takes that level sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yep. So that is my story. And Sienna has another story for you. And we'll I don't share feel it. like we're done with this story. Oh. But <laughs> okay. I mean, so you felt, but do you remember feeling depressed? That's the thing is I don't, I can't say that I do. Okay. Um, Maybe but, it was just but, all pent up. You felt safe yeah. in that, in her office mm-hmm, because you mm-hmm. had to have felt some sort of safety in her presence in order for you to even f- feel like you can break down. Yeah, you that makes sense. Down. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because it's, it's either that or... I just couldn't hold it together anymore. Because mm-hmm. you were... But, yeah. yeah, I don't... Yep. Did you have to go on any medication or... No. That you remember? No. Yeah. Wow. I just had to be honest with myself that I was gay. Well, that's big. <laughs> that, that's huge, though. <laughs> yeah. That the in truth, and of itself. The truth is, is uh, very healing, I think. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so we're letting that sink in. I think it's a great time to break for some notes and reviews from the community. Let's do that, and then we'll come back with Sienna's story. Okay, so thank you, thank you, thank you to our listener, Ken. Yay! He took the time to leave a review and a rating on iTunes for this podcast. So thank you so much, Ken. And he's an original listener. He he wrote, so awesome to hear your podcasts again after seven years of being away. Always so well done and inspiring. I believe that these podcasts and your life experiences have great potential in capturing an even bigger audience than ever. And you know what? He goes on, but I'm going to stop there and just say, Ken, thank you so much. Yes. And we really do hope to capture a bigger audience than ever so if you enjoy this podcast if you share the same belief that ken has please do just take a couple seconds go to the itunes um the podcast app or the podcast in itunes and just tap where you know the fifth star because if you do that that gives us a five star rating thank you and you can even leave a quick review it doesn't even have to be like a sentence it can just be one word you can just put great and click submit <laughs> seriously that is yeah very so we, true. we really appreciate that uh and best of all is if you would just share it with your friends like you know in real life like just tell a friend about it yeah thanks guys and now back to the show <laughs> I'm wearing oh, all these boy. hats. It's like, yes. hey, welcome to the show. Oh, do, 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 do. All right. Okay. Okay, so Toast just 
if you missed it, she actually to- told her story of having had depression that she couldn't really remember, but about an instrumental professor truly making an impact in her the trajectory trajectory of your life. Wouldn't you say that? Yes. I mean, yeah. looking back on it. I know. What would have happened, right? Right. If, you had, if yeah. Right. I don't know. So right. it's right. Well, just maybe like, my you know, story is maybe what might have happened. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, we laugh now and all of this, but this, you know, the stories we're telling today, there are stories. We share them to let you in a little bit on our history um, for the purpose of hopefully making an impact, making an impact and helping you feel inspired that no matter if, if you are in a situation that we are speaking of, like if you are feeling depressed now, granted, there is a very wide spectrum of depression and so many different types of depression and toast had one type i had another type and there are just so many others but we're just sharing with you our stories hopefully uh, to inspire that things do get better Um, so for my story what i'll say is that i had already graduated from high school i was in the middle of my first or possibly second semester of college and just that transition alone is huge, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're, it's a big life change for people. You're yeah. a big fish in a little pond, and then not all of a sudden you're like this little little fish on this giant university pond. And right around that time, my first ever girlfriend broke up with me. And, and this is the girl that, that we talked about in the beginning that I would get teased about. They would say, she likes you, she has a crush on you. And it turned out, we ended up being together. She was my first girlfriend and for a very long time. Like, I was so enmeshed with her family. Um, I mean, I don't know, enmeshed. Maybe that's dramatic. But I was very much involved with her family and a part of her family. And I definitely had a sense of identity that I wrapped around being her girlfriend um, and and more than that. But... When she broke up with me, I really felt like I had nothing left. Mm. You know, it's I had, like the ground beneath you just yes. disappeared. Yes, because, yeah. you know, you can imagine, you know, through all your formative years, mm-hmm. being with someone and then not having that person anymore, mm-hmm. it was pretty jarring for me. And I started to just not even feel like I had a sense of who I was mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like um, I didn't know. I felt pretty worthless. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds dramatic, but that that's how I felt. You know, I no longer had my role, the role I had when I was in high school. I'm now on this college campus, and I know no one. No one knows me. Yeah, so by um, comparison, so nobody. It's, there's a feeling of insignificance, I right. would imagine, yes. right? And then yeah. I'm now no longer her girlfriend, mm-hmm. someone's girlfriend, mm-hmm. long-time girlfriend. I don't have that identity anymore. So I felt completely, completely lost. And so um, I, you know, I felt depressed, and I remember one night attempting suicide by taking a whole bunch of pills. I took every over-the-counter 
and prescription medication that I could find in my house. And there were a lot of people, I have a lot of family that were living in that house, so uh, took everything I could find, dumped it out on my bed. There were over, I remember, over 98 pills, all various colors and things, and I took all of it. And um, and how did you how did you get to the hospital? So how I got to the hospital is after I took everything, I started to I was just crying, and um, no one no one was home. I uh, then there was a moment where I started to feel the physical symptoms of having taken all those pills, and what it felt like was just this extreme stabbing, stabbing pain in my stomach, unlike anything I had ever felt before. And it was like that that physical pain kind of startled me out. It kind of brought me out of the mindset I was in that led me to trying to end my life. The numbing, mm-hmm. like the... Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I called my ex and I couldn't even couldn't even say anything like I just you know I couldn't even say come help me this is what I did but she just all of a sudden was at the door um and she drove me to emergency Mm. so here's the thing that happened on a Friday and then back on Monday I was in my classes again Mm-hmm. at UH mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and no one would have known right right you know that that's what happened for me on the Friday and one of the things is that you know there was so much I remember just wanting to keep everything from my grandparents I was still under their insurance but I was telling them like no you don't need to call them I'm over 18 and I was just so worried about what people would think Mm-hmm. that I would that I would even do this. Mm-hmm. And I believe that for myself, part of my issue and something that I still work on today, but of course in another Is that your alarm? It must be. Okay. <laughs> so the alarm is going oh, off for some reason. Keep going. But um one of the things that I guess, you know, the role I had built for myself is that I had always felt very good about being there for people and people coming to me if they had a problem they could come to me I'm I'm absolutely there absolutely there for you but what I hadn't really cultivated for myself was being vulnerable back so creating really healthy balanced relationships I don't feel like I had them you know, I didn't feel like I had many of those back then. And so to reach out to someone felt so foreign to me. Um, so I think that's something, you know, for for anyone listening out there that maybe, you know, you are the person people go to for help. You're the strong one, right? Yeah, maybe for take help. a look at that. And uh, there might be um, a way that you can reframe that where you have an opportunity to see, well, how can I create a more balanced relationship here? And how can I reveal a little bit more of myself? Because it really is in the vulnerability that we find that true connection. Yeah. Uh, And I think that speaks to such a interesting paradox. I think the, the deepest, truest truths about life are all paradoxes. And I think this is one of them. And it is this that one way, or let me start again. 
True resiliency includes being not resilient all the time. Absolutely. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like how uh, one of the most strongest uh, trees or plants in a storm, if the hurricane's blowing and blowing, is bamboo because bamboo bends. Mm. It won't break, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Like, yeah, you can cultivate resiliency in your social networks and your relationships by not always being so resilient. Yeah. Yeah. By letting people in on your own flaws and your own weaknesses and how you need help and, Mm -hmm. you know, basically setting it up so that there is that give and take and there's that room for being, being weak sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So why don't we move on to some takeaways? I know that was probably maybe I guess that that's felt the heavy. first. I guess that's the first. <laughs> I guess that's the first of one takeaway is about how to cultivate resiliency. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable. Yes. Being vulnerable, and but also in saying that though, we have to also realize that for me to, um, you know, look back at that time in my life and to realize like you know I I was not a vulnerable person I you know I saw my role and how I held myself and all this kind of stuff but I wouldn't say that we have to put the uh you know that being vulnerable the asking for help part of it uh as a sole responsibility for anyone going through depression Mm, because mm -hmm. it is a again it's a spectrum right and some people you you can't even do that you right. cannot even right. get up out of bed. How right. are you going to go and find someone to talk to? Right. You know, how are you even going to make a call? You cannot even, for some people, you cannot even get out of bed. Mm-hmm. So we cannot blame people suffering from depression and, and other um, types of um, illnesses uh, for not reaching out. I think that speaks to the the fact that we are all interdependent, yes, right? Yes. So we, again, I guess that's, that's the thing. You make an impact. <laughs> that's the theme of the podcast, right? Yeah. You make an yeah. impact. We all have responsibility. Even slugs Even have slugs. an impact. Yes. So another thing that you can do <laughs> is to just start being present wherever you are. You know, whether it's talking to someone at the bank, actually, who goes to the bank anymore, right? right. Whether it's talking when to someone at the supermarket, maybe you don't even go to the supermarket, but just anyone. Get the out person, of the house, people. <laughs> the person, your waiter, you know, mm-hmm. when you're talking with someone, um, when you're interacting in that way to make eye contact, to take the time to ask how someone is, or even if you're on the phone and you have a customer service person, mm-hmm. You know, I know I try to do this. I say, you know, how are you? You know, and I re- I know that when I do ask that, oftentimes they're a bit shocked because how many people actually ask them in a sincere way how they're doing? Mm. They're the ones who are normally charged with the They have to provide the... The good customer experience. You? Exactly. And yet you don't know what kind of impact that just being present with someone has Mm -hmm. because basically doing that being present with someone is really saying i see you right 
I see you there. You know, yes. you're acknowledging a person and saying, I see you by being present has so much impact. And we can all do that. Like that's like oxygen for your soul. Yes. Right. We all need that oxygen. Yes. That's like it's it's kind of crazy to me, like that we live in an society where things are so digitized and virtual and it's all this technology that allows us to be so quote unquote connected and communicate, but mm-hmm. but we need to constantly beat the drum of hey have basic human decency you know what i mean because this is what it is it's like be humane yes like that is the most precious thing respect it be responsible with it that's what brings us fulfillment that's what can save other people's lives and and your own it's Mm -hmm. like be human That's the main takeaway, really. It really is, and we yeah. need we all need tips to remember how to be human. How to be human now? <laughs> like, oh, eye contact and like actually listen to other people. Yeah, but it really does. I mean, it really does matter. It does. Yes, because you can really set that wave in motion. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to help heal people just by being human. Yes, they're connecting. Are. Yes. All right. There are no small things. You make an impact. I make an impact. We all make an impact, whether we like it or not. So let's make it for good. Yes. So now your turn. We absolutely want to hear from you. Go to our blog and comment there and let us know if you've had an experience where you felt you absolutely made an impact in someone else's life or if there was just an amazing soul that made an impact in yours. We want to hear your stories. We really, really do. So we hope that you will comment on the blog. And that's it for this podcast. That's it for now. But we hope that you will also join our email list if you're not already. Uh, You can get our beautiful emails. We try to make them as encouraging and um, a source of beauty in your life and in your inbox as much as we can. So you can find out how to join that and get that in our show notes. So until next time, this is Sienna. And this is Toast. Telling you to love life and live free. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.